<laughs> and we are live on uh, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com and on Facebook Live. Give me a moment. We'll be live on YouTube as well. Uh, that's not how I'm going to do it. I'll do it like that. There we go. And now we're going to be live on all three uh, of the platforms that we broadcast on. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Uh, YouTube just went totally wacko. So right now I'm not on YouTube. But I am on Facebook Live and I am on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. And I am on it, man. I am on it. Uh, welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I come to you six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we are the, your daily distraction for all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Um, come to you on three platforms normally, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, YouTube Comedy Schools, and right here on Facebook Live. Um, show is built around three things, your questions and comments, primarily on Facebook Live, but on the other social media as well. So please question and comment, and we will question and comment back. Uh, also, uh, oftentimes we have a knickknack or a doodad or a curiosity, or a curio, or a memento that we share with you, and then uh, try to weave a personal story around. And also, we recommend one artist or one piece of music based on our vast vinyl album and CD collection. Okay, so it's Sunday, and right now, guys, I got to be honest with you, uh, right after this, I'm running downstairs. Well, I'm not going to run, right? I just changed the look here. Do you guys like that? Uh, I'm not going to run. I'm going to uh, walk. I might jaunt. I won't skip because you, you can't skip on steps. You ever tried that? You ever tried to skip on steps? I, I imagine some dancers could, you know, Liza Minnelli in her prime. I don't know. Uh, but you can't really skip on. Yeah, Fred Astaire could skip on steps, but I'm no Fred Astaire. So I'm going to walk down them holding the handrail, holding the banister uh, and uh, gaze upon my uh, television where the St. Louis, uh, the Arizona you begin to see my dilemma here. The Arizona football Cardinals will be playing the Los Angeles Rams. Now, both of these teams at one time played in St. Louis, Missouri, where I was raised. Okay? One of them was in Los Angeles, then went to St. Louis, then came back to Los Angeles. So three of the most important, there's five cities that are important in my life. St. Louis, Missouri, Los Angeles, California, Phoenix, Arizona, Oklahoma City, and New York City. Those are all uh, cities where I've spent uh, big chunks of time over the years. So, uh, what, I got a comment here. Uh, Paul Whitney, you should get one of those chairs that you get right up and down the stairs. You know what, Paul? Um, a funny thing begins to happen as the years go by. Where I used to make fun of that sort of thing, now I look at it and go, hey, that's a pretty good idea. That's a, it's like the first time you get an AARP. Paul was there making fun of my advanced age making fun of my possible infirmities, okay? Uh, but uh, to me, it's not making fun. It might be a common sense solution to an issue. And one of these days, I just might get one of them, okay? Cheryl, the YouTube kind of totally went bonkers here, so if you want to straighten that out. Um, telling my producer, Shirley, that while she was uh, uh, getting us uh, some liquid refreshment, that um, we lost YouTube. So uh, that was just a little inside baseball for you. So uh, Paul says, not at all, just safety first. Yeah, I don't think so, Paul. I think you're making fun. It's just like that time that, uh, hold on. I'm, hello, YouTube people. Hold on, you're totally crooked. The YouTube people are totally crooked. There we go. 
Now they're fine. Hello, YouTube people, and welcome to Living on a Thin Line. I had to say, I had to be nice to them. We got to be, we got to be equal with everyone. That's what we're doing right now. Um, so back to that. For those of you that hit a certain age, one day you look in the mail and you got an AARP card. And you, oh, I'm not ready. But then slowly, a couple of years, you toss it in the trash. I'm not, I don't, hey, I'm not, I'm really crazy. I'm not even there to retire. But then you, um, then at some point, you're, uh, I remember I was going to see a movie in a movie theater. Remember those movie theaters? We all went and parked someplace and went into these large buildings and paid tickets to sit in chairs with gum on the floor and watch movies on giant screens while people talked. Um, I was going to see a movie and I went, wait a minute, do you have an AARP discount? And they said, yeah, and I got 10% off my ticket. So they got a buck off my ticket or a buck and a half. And I went, pretty good. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like a weird thing. It doesn't seem like a weird thing. It's like when I was at the, when my back was really bothering me a few years back, I was at the grocery store and you see people roll around those car, those, uh, motorized uh, uh, grocery carts. And at first you go, oh, those poor bastards. And you go, you know what? That doesn't look like a bad idea. Slowly but surely, Paul Whitney, we evolve. And the idea of being in my 70s and living in a two-story house and then having one of those chairs that goes up and down might not be a bad idea. Might not be a bad idea. I might get a Paul just for fun and invite you over, Paul, and you and I could take turns riding up and down it. What do you think? Uh, I'm talking to, by the way, the guy who commented was Paul Whitney. Very funny guy. He's supposed to have his own YouTube channel up soon. The man with too many action figures. Hilarious. I have seen um, the live performance of this and also seen some of the proto YouTube stuff. So you want to watch for that. The man with too many action figures. So it's Sunday. As soon as it's over, I'll go down and I'll watch the game. I'll watch the game. I don't know if there's going to be fans in the audience. I don't care uh, if people are kneeling beforehand. I don't care about any of that. I always thought that was a little silly. Not that it, they were kneeling. I, I've always thought that the reaction to it was... Uh, but then again, you can't really control your reactions to things. You know? I know people who are so bothered by it that they won't watch football. Not politically, but because just their response to it. Which I'm sure if you wanted to dive a little deeper, you might find you might be a little shocked by the reason you feel that way. But I don't know. I don't know. So none of that bothers me. I'll watch the game. Anything that is semi-pseudo-normal right now that I can engage in safely, I'm going to be involved with. So it's going to be a fun game for me because these are two teams that I followed, uh, especially the uh, St. Louis Rams during the Kurt Warner era. They were just stunning. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals during the Don Coriel era. So I've got emotional attachments from different eras to both these teams. Plus, I like the Arizona Cardinals because they have a quarterback who's only 5 foot 8 inches tall. Did you know that? Kyle Murray. Is only five foot eight inches tall, and he's a badass. So uh, he's like the Sonny Barger of uh, football. Why is he like the Sonny Barger of football? Because Sonny Barger, the president of the uh, Hell's Angels, uh, the legendary Sonny Barger, or the criminal Sonny Barger, although, you know, whatever. Um, he was only five foot eight, five foot eight, and he controlled the entire Hell's Angels at one time. And Kyler Murray, therefore, is the Hell's Angel of uh, American football. So uh, I'll be looking at that. I'll be looking at that uh, this, uh, after, this, uh, this afternoon, right after the show. Want to thank Manny Hernandez for a great weekend at J.P.'s Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, 860 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, where you can see live stand-up comedy shows 
in a safe social distance setting, masks are required. Uh, and if you have the need to get out, you know, and you need want to get out someplace safe, and you don't just go, well, grocery store again. Uh, then uh, I tell you what, when you go to JP's Comedy Club, you will encounter less bad behavior than you do currently at the grocery store. At the grocery store, so many people are stressed out. He always got, you know, it's always a couple of white guys. They said I'm a white guy. Run around, no mask on, sneered at everyone, you know. And then people just parking in the aisles and stand there forever and looking at you like you're a typhoid Mary if you try to get past them. So you're, a lot of bad behavior at grocery stores, okay? But not a lot of bad behavior at JP's Comedy Club. Just good times. These are the good times. So uh, we do it again this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So come check it out. We'll have a good time. Um, here's my current plan. And that might change by this evening. But uh, my current plan, I don't know what your current plan is, but right now I'm paying everything off. Everything that I can possibly pay off, I'm paying off. Now, it's a kick in the pocketbook. But everything I can pay off, I'm paying off because I think the first quarter of 2021 may be rough. I was wrong about the stock market, by the way, in March. I thought it was going to collapse, and it didn't. But uh, I am paying everything off to get our uh, monthly expenses down, whittled down to as little as possible so that um, you're hearing rumors right now of hospitals, uh, and I'm going to double check. I don't want to spread rumors, but hospitals that no longer have any ICU beds. You know, uh, you, know you, you get conflicting things. People go, cases are going up, but deaths are going down. Well, that's good. That's very good. Uh, I don't know what the long-term debilitation is of, uh, the, uh, of Corona, um, or if I got it, if I would be okay. Um, and now I'm, I, a few months ago, a few months ago, um, people were saying, well, I don't even know who's got it. Do you know anybody who's got it? See, I, I, I don't even know a single person. Well, now I know a lot of people who have it, a lot of people in my, and a good number of people in my industry. So you guys be careful out there, okay? And so I don't know what the first quarter is going to hold, okay? I don't know what it's going to hold economically for other people. So we are paying off everything, and that's totally different. 180 degrees different from the way we were approaching the year at the beginning of 2020. At the beginning of the year, we looked at our year and said, we're probably going to have our best year ever. We were able to raise ticket prices and uh, able to pay the artists a heck of a lot more at our shows at the Tempe Center for the Arts. Uh, we uh, had put a lot of money out across the country to begin traveling and touring with a group of comics and taking our brand of workshop to other cities and other states. And we said we're going to invest in ourselves. So we laid out a lot of money at the beginning of the year. But now as we get to the end of the year, we're thinking the wisest thing to do is to have as many things paid off as possible. You know, the problem right now is uh, in March and April and May, we had massive lockdowns. A lot of people participated and the government stepped in. The one good thing that you could say happened during this administration and while the Republicans were uh, uh, in the majority in the Senate, was the massive stimulus package that was laid out 
uh, back in the spring that saved a lot of people's asses. So now the pandemic is worse than it was then. The death rate is higher, over 2,500 people a day. More people going to the hospital. No package. And besides that, one of the most important parts of the package, which was direct aid to you and to me, those $1,200 checks. I don't know, did you, did you go out and spend it on dope? Did you go out and buy a bunch of whiskey? Did you buy a motorboat? I don't know if you get a motorboat for 1200 bucks. You didn't. You used it to help yourself out financially. That's not even on the table. The $1,200 isn't on the table. All sorts of other things on the table, and God knows what they are. $904 billion, and Mitch McConnell doesn't want to give any aid to state and local governments, and no $1,200 check. Loans. There'll be loans that you got to pay back. So if I were you, and I am me, and I, was, I kicked off the idea way back when they extended unemployment benefits, I said it's a crime that people who've been 1099 employees, and I know a lot of 1099 employees because I'm in the entertainment business, so comics are almost always 1099 employees. Uh, in other words, if we're making $2,000 in a week, and I know that sounds like a lot of money to some people, it's not, okay? But you got to remember the next week, there might not be any work, you might be off. It might be off for two weeks. So then at 2,000 spread over three weeks, it's not that much. Or you might have to be gone from your family for six months. I pushed along the idea. Now, I wasn't part of, of uh, making any changes, but I did push along the idea that gig workers should be able to participate in unemployment, and they did that. Two of the most important things that kept this economy going through the spring and the summer into the fall, the $1,200 direct payment along with $500 payment for any dependent children per person, the extension of unemployment benefits, actually saved this economy. Neither one of those are on the table. So all we can do is laugh and have a good time and watch football games, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy yourselves and... Uh, uh, you know what? And if it's a nice day out, go out and spend the day outside uh, away from people. That's a great thing about where we live is I've got a huge park and I'm able to, uh, st- I've been able to get out the entire time. Um, Peggy Cochran, who uh, is a woman who uh, I have undying, uh, wonderful feelings for. She was my English teacher in high school uh, and, and, and several other classes. Pe- says, um, and it's so cool that we're still connected, says, we have to win these two Senate seats in Georgia. I'm here working in Georgia to make that happen. Otherwise, no new decent stimulus is forthcoming. Wow. Wow, Peggy, my hat, if I was wearing a hat, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm taking my imaginary hat off to you. That you've gone to Georgia and you're working on a campaign. We did a lot of work here in Arizona, you know, for uh, the Biden uh to have Biden and Kamala Harris elected and Mark Kelly. And we did a lot of good stuff here, but I didn't travel to another state. So uh, you always were one of those. And one of those is about the best thing I can say. You were just a wonderful person in high school uh, when you were a teacher and you're a wonderful person now. So I don't know what else we can do, Peggy. I mean, you know, the place is flooded with money. So I don't know if we should, uh, you know, I watched Trump's rally yesterday and I'm just going, I'm going, my goodness. I mean, I've, 
I had a English professor my freshman year of college. By the way, I only went to a year and a half. But actually, while I was in high school, I, I jumped ahead of things and then I fell behind. Uh, jumped ahead and I was taking a college course while I was in high school. And he told us something that has always stayed with me. He said, it's okay to like bad art as long as you understand that it's bad art. And he explained it like this. It's okay to have a towel with a picture of the Mona Lisa imprinted on it as long as you don't think it's the actual Mona Lisa. It's okay to like what he called kitsch. Okay? And I know the monster truck rally, just watching one truck crash up another truck has a certain appeal. And I know that professional wrestling, Paul Whitney, who's on here and is a great friend of mine, loves professional wrestling, he knows it's not real. It's where you put your silly stuff. It's where you put your silly stuff. As I'm watching Trump's rally yesterday, I go, this is part of the silly stuff entertainment. Like professional wrestling, which does require a certain degree of athleticism and skill. But it's not real. It's a show. All these reality shows that people have been watching for the last 20 or 30 years. I remember the first one happened, Survivor Island or something, way back. I was on tour and uh, I was talking to a booking agent while I was in a hotel someplace, I think in Boise, Idaho or Seattle, Washington. Guy knew and I go, do you know about these? And he goes, yeah. He goes, those are all fixed. You know, so, um, and having been involved in a couple of reality shows in my life uh, at a very minor level, I know that they're all fixed. Okay, uh, Paul Whitney says there are days I think Vic, Vince McMahon is managing Trump's campaign. Well, his wife ran for the United States Senate in Connecticut. So I'm watching Trump's rally yesterday, a few minutes of it. I can't watch the whole thing. And I go, this is silly stuff entertainment. This is like professional wrestling. This is like monster truck rally. It's like goofball stuff. It's like me collecting bobbleheads and being all semi-pseudo serious. I don't collect them, by the way. I rescue bobbleheads. Yeah, you almost got me. Uh, it's all, you know, and it's not how you run a nation. So, uh, and I guess Saturday Night Live, there was a woman who, and the people that are getting to testify, I mean, at what point do you just laugh them out of the room? At what point, Rudy Giuliani standing in front of a garage door, you know, in front of a, a, a tractor place, I think, next to a Porto bookstore, you know, or him with goo running down the side of his face, or him passing, breaking wind so loud it could be heard uh, while sitting next to a woman who's half drunk, just spouting insanity. Do you go, all right, if this is the guy's people, maybe the guy ain't the guy. At what point do you do that? I don't know. I mean, I, you know what? I, I, I find myself sometimes just... Um, just devolving into uh, silly stuff. That's why I collect things. I collect things because they're silly and they're fun. I'll show you something I bought recently. I got it right back here. I'm bringing it forward. And it's almost like reliving my adolescence. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Fantastic Four. Look at that artwork. Isn't that great? That is the Fantastic Four. This is episode. This is uh, number 61. Only 12 cents. By the way, if you're going to collect comic books, you know, uh, the ones that are going to have any money at all, whether we were something are the ones that are 10 cents or 12 cents. Okay. Um, this is uh, the world's greatest comic magazine, Fantastic Four. And this epical issue, the end of Mr. Fantastic, there's stalk, where stalks the Sandman. Now, supposedly this is 
this is um, the introduction of the Sandman, who then became quite a, uh, a central uh, bad guy for the Fantastic Four. So I collected these things when I was a kid and lost track of all of them. And so now my grandson and I go to a comic book store in town. Okay, we go to a comic book store in town. And where I would normally be spending money going to Los Angeles, going to St. Louis, going to New York. I'm occasionally buying one of these. But they're really fun to uh, uh, collect because the artwork is so cool. It's solid. It's real. Uh, it's something you can hold on to like a coin. And um, I was more of a Spider-Man guy than a Fantastic Four guy. Definitely a Marvel comic guy. I don't know where you guys come down on that sort of thing. You can tell we've moved on from uh, what was a uh, unnecessarily serious political rant. Um, uh, where do you come down on a DC Comics or Marvel Comics? But as a little boy, of course, I was a DC comic guy. But then as Marvel got into the uh, superhero game, like many, I just switched over immediately to uh, the Hulk, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, uh, featuring The Thing, by the way, and, uh, of course, Spider-Man. So I don't know if that's something that we want to talk about going into the future. Uh, this week, by the way, starting tomorrow, here on Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic, we're going to start talking about, we're going to have a, um, we're going to come up with a list of the greatest drum openings in the rock era. Songs, famous rock songs, maybe not famous, I don't know, well, here's some, uh, that open up with uh, a short mini drum intro. Okay, uh, you know, and some of the uh, some of the, the ones that we're talking about, of course, are, are songs like uh, 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 songs like uh, uh, "Rock and Roll" by uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, "Be My Baby" by uh, the Ronettes, um, "When the Levee Breaks" by Led Zeppelin. You know, uh, so um, by the I just showing I want to show uh, Shirley something here before uh, it gets too late because we're gonna get on to the music that we're gonna recommend today is uh, we're going to go with, on this album, Cheryl, we're going to go with, uh, oh, you know what, I'll just introduce this now, okay? Here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Patti Smith, the high priestess of punk, the high priestess of punk, a woman who uh, uh, is not only a great, great uh, singer, songwriter, artist, okay? Uh, and we're going to recommend... There's a lot of great stuff in this 1975 album. Uh, Land is the name of it. The number three cut on side, cool, uh, side two, Land, which uh, is a combination of uh, the song Horses by Patti Smith and Land of a Thousand Dances. Uh, that was a, a Wilson Pickett tune, but uh, then put through a, uh, a, a punk strainer. So this album came out in 1975. This album came out in 1975, all right? Uh, and it was an important album in 1970s music. You know, when you think of 1970s music, now, I'm not a disco hater. I really didn't care for it at the time it came out. It's simplistic. It's goofy. To me, it's like professional wrestling. It's not real. There's not a lot of artistry to it, unless you listen to, like, Chic, you know, because there was a lot of great stuff there. Are the Spinners, or the OJs, or the Ohio Players, or the B... <laughs> Anyway, it kind of pushed rock out of the forefront for a while. But while disco seemed to be like kudzu taking over radios, 
while DJ, well, disco seemed to be like kudzu taking over every nightclub, important things were happening in music in the mid-70s. A lot of the greats of the 60s had kind of reached their zenith in the early 70s. Uh, the guys in Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, who had been in great, made some great 60s music, the band itself uh, uh, was kind of a zenith. Uh, the Grateful Dead, Europe 72, um, uh, Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street, you know, uh, Bob Dylan within a couple of years doing uh, Blood on the Tracks. So, uh, Peggy, yeah, yeah, you liked a lot of disco. That's what Peggy Cochran said. <laughs> well, I like to jump around a lot for a lot of reasons back then. Um, that was, they had kind of reached their zenith in the early 70s. So by the mid-70s, something new was pushing along. And it was in the mid-70s, as disco seemed to take over everything, uh, the thing that was pushing against it on the airwaves and with the music companies was, of course, Southern Rock. Uh, started by the Allman Brothers. Allman Brothers just was a rock band, but their sound was so unique that they gave birth to something called Southern Rock. And you had bands like Leonard Skinner and Marshall Tucker Band and the Outlaws and so many other uh, guitar-based, triple-league guitarist bands coming along. Uh, that was going on. And on the other side of things, punk was bubbling up. The Sex Pistols and The Clash coming out of England. And in America, uh, The Talking Heads and Patti Smith. And Patti Smith's album, uh, Horses, was one of the most important albums of the mid-'70s. It was produced by John Cale. Okay, and it was one of the most important albums in introducing a new type of music and infusing something that the Talking Heads really kind of perfected, which was art in rock that is still defiant, that is still rock, poetry in rock, which it was beginning to go by the wayside with the disco era or even with the, uh, the Southern Boogie Bands, reintroducing poetry into rock, uh, dangerous themes in rock, all of this was beginning in the mid-70s, and one of the important albums that popped up was Patti Smith's Horses. So it was an album that so impressed me, even though it wasn't my kind of music. It wasn't my kind of music at all. When it came out, I went out and bought it because I went, this is just stunning. So if you check out Patti Smith's uh, Land, you'll hear a song that is uh, bold and audacious. It's a combination of rock and punk and pop and dance music. And poetry, you know, uh, that um, I don't, I can't think of anything else that even fits into its category. So it's a great tune to listen to. Also, her version of Gloria on here is just uh, fun. It's a real punk version of Gloria. The old uh, um, uh, Them tune, the old Van Morrison tune, Van Morrison's first hit. So the band called Them and it was Gloria. So you want to check that out, okay? Uh, check out, uh, Patti Smith was also... Uh, Sam Shepard's girlfriend, his uh, plays Cowboy Mouth, uh, and there was a couple of them, were based on he and Patty writing a play together while drunk and high, you know, in a dingy room at the Chelsea Hotel in some of the greatest American theater uh, of the 70s or 80s and 90s. Bob Rocky says, play some Scorps. You mean Scorpions? What do you need, Bob? Do you need on Sunday to be rocked like a hurricane? Uh... I got a kick out of that stuff, too. I got a kick out of that glam stuff in the 80s. But once again, the problem oftentimes was the, uh, the less than music, the goofy music pushed out the great music. And we finally have seen a culmination of that, I think, in politics. As for the last four years, 
the goofy had pushed out the good because maybe the good had become uh, the had allowed great to be enemy of the good in our quest for some sort of moral perfection on the left. I'm on the left. We are not morally perfect, nor are we interested in being so. You know what we are interested in doing? We're going to catch some football today. So we're going to go and we're going to watch that. Uh, thanks for listening to this uh, rambling diatribe that I did today. Hi to everyone who joined in. I appreciate it so much. I'm here every day except Saturday at 2 p.m. living on a thin line. Starting tomorrow. And you want to go and you want to check it out so you can begin making recommendations. The 10 greatest drum openings during the rock era. And we'll take, we'll take it from rock and roll to rock. We'll take it all the way up, okay? From rock and roll to rock, the 10 greatest drum openings. Not a drum solo in the middle. So, in a guy to the Vita doesn't count, okay? But uh, we're going we're gonna to start working on that. So, I'm interested in hearing what your questions and comments will be because we're going to take the whole week talking about it along with other fun stuff and pseudo semi-serious stuff right here on Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching. I'll see you tomorrow at 2. Bye-bye.